Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. So, Glenn, what are we going to talk about today? The same thing we talk about every episode. How to take over podcasting. <laughs> so that was a poor example of today's topic, improvisation. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad we uh, decided to make everything up as we went along and not even have a script or an outline or anything. Well, isn't that pretty much how we normally do things or normally don't do things or something like that? Who knows? I mean, but yeah, the point is we've been talking a lot about, you know, community theater productions that are usually scripted. So what's the point of improvisation? Why would you possibly need that? Your rehearsals are going to make this production a well-oiled machine. Exactly. I mean, really, for all the shows that I've done, and I, I, I've lost count, but I don't know, maybe 50 shows at this point, nothing has ever gone wrong. You've got a script there backing you up, so everything goes perfectly. So why would you ever need improvisation? Exactly. Everything executes flawlessly. Yes. Always. Well, there's this whole little thing about it being live performance. <laughs> yes. Even when we're recording. Unlike our podcast, you don't get to uh, retake things if you screw anything up. Not that we ever screw anything up. No. This all comes to you completely unrehearsed, unedited it's it's raw footage. In fact, we have the to spend equivalent we have, of footages. We have to spend extra effort afterward to make up those outtakes. <laughs> it's really the outtakes are actually the only scripted part of the show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we write the outtakes. Everything else, everything else is off the cuff. But seriously, improvisation can be a good skill to have because, as Jim said, it's live theater. Nothing. I, I wouldn't say nothing ever goes as planned. I mean. Hopefully, most things go as planned, but, you know, as Murphy's Law says, if anything can go wrong, it will, and it definitely will in live theater. Yeah, uh, something, many things are ripe to potentially go a little bit off the rails, but hopefully it's a thing that occurs in such a way that the audience, most of the time, is, if you're skilled enough, not even going mm -hmm. to notice it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've sat in audiences, and I have maybe a little more knowledge than the average person. And even most of the time that there are mistakes, unless I'm like crazy familiar with the show, like I've done it myself, then odds are I'm not going to notice what any of the mistakes are. And, and people who get concerned about that, you probably don't need to be as concerned as you are. I think just because we're so accustomed to the process of rehearsing a show and performing that we're probably a little bit more picky or sensitive to being able to tell when a mistake mm. probably happened and somebody well, was trying to cover something up. <laughs> I also think it's especially in our own shows that we're a lot, uh, just our personalities were rather picky. But, uh, <laughs> picky might not be quite the right word. Discerning? <laughs> discerning. There you go. We're very discerning. So when we're directing or when we're acting, we're we're going to notice every little thing. But... Oh, I'm talking about other people's shows that I watch. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I know you're talking about that. But I'm saying like in our own shows, it's going to bother us more. And therefore, we might be more apt to notice it in somebody else's show. But I think sometimes it's kind of a happy, amusing accident. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> sometimes it's actually kind of fun to watch that and see how they do cover it. Yeah. That kind of thing. And sometimes you get surprised by how clever 
things are or just how silly mm-hmm. things can be when when something like that happens and you have to cover it. And yeah. I, I think it's just amusing just because you know what was supposed to have happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about everything from uh, entrances gone wrong to lines forgotten or misspoken to technical errors. It just, sure. There's so many different things that can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. A few of those, like, let, let's focus on lines. Um, it's easy for somebody to miss a line or say a line incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And I've done it many times myself. Yeah. And I think you have to pay enough attention to that. Mm-hmm. It becomes important because sometimes if a line is misspoken, then that could mean key facts or plot points in the play mm-hmm. get messed up. So... If you're sensitive to that, if you're aware enough about that as an actor and you pay attention to it and notice when something gets misspoken, then if it at all makes sense for you to try to correct it so that the play doesn't completely go off the rails later and the third act Mm -hmm. makes some semblance of sense, then you might try to interject a correction, for instance. Yeah, you can interject a correction or you might need to go with whatever the change is and and be able to think on your feet and go, okay, well, I I mean, I, I don't think... You could go so far as to change a character's name. Well, but if somebody like <laughs> has a prop location that they've either misplaced a prop, put it in the wrong spot, or they've said, "Oh, that's over in the bedroom," and they were supposed to say it's in the living room, then you know you gotta remember to go to the bedroom instead of the living room if such a thing can be done. Yeah, and enough people have to be paying enough attention to try to maintain that internal consistency, and that's yeah. really hard to do because you could have actors, Extremely. you could have actors who aren't even in the scene who may not show up till 20 minutes later. And if they didn't happen to notice something being missaid or somebody didn't mm-hmm. happen to mention it to them, like somebody goes I, off stage and says, Oh, whoops, I screwed up. I meant to say this was supposed to be in the bedroom. And I said it was in the living room. Keep that in mind when you go out. Yeah. I, I've, I want to say I've experienced shows where the stage manager has come like panic down to the green room and gone, Oh no, this is over here. I know it's usually supposed to be over there, <laughs> but this has been moved into the wrong spot. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, if something on the set gets messed up and you tell an actor, when you go out there, could you subtly try to fix that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or if somebody's costume, like something is going (laughs) wrong with somebody's costume, they got to go, you got to let him know to to zip his fly up or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I don't know that you'd even call that improv (laughs) per se, but I just think building up those skills is something that can help you deal with changes, mistakes, the unexpected. Yeah, it would be a bit of a rude awakening to go out and approach another character and then realize, oh, his fly was open. I wish somebody yeah. had told me that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I mean, as far as lines go, I mean, in addition to something with forgotten lines, a very, very frequent thing in a script is when you've got a line and somebody else has to cut you off. Yes. I always cover that as a director with, okay, you need to know what the rest of your line is. During rehearsals. I've had actors who have had to like complete that line because they just hadn't gotten cut off at all. That happens, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think anytime your line ends in ellipsis or a big long dash, whatever the technical term is for that, then you as an actor should know what your character would have said had he not been cut off. Mm -hmm. But again, not necessarily improv. I guess maybe the first time you need to do it, it's improv, but I mean, that's almost more writing. Kind of. Yeah. It's something to be prepared for in reaction to something not going the way you expect it to, I mm-hmm. suppose. So it's kind of loosely improv, but it depends yeah. on how long the guy uh, 
how many paragraphs the guy lets you spit out before he decides to cut you <laughs> this off. <is> true. <laughs> then it could be really uh, become very, improv. Very unimportant side note here, but that just reminded me of the uh, the one script that I wrote, Superstition. Mm-hmm. Just I, I really enjoyed. I had one line that got cut off because. One of the characters was superstitious, and I think they were about to say Macbeth or something, and they go to cut him off. And what I wrote in for them to cut him off was, Jijuats! <laughs> I don't know where I can't... And I don't remember how I spell, spelled it, but yes. Sounds the, like the, the gigawatt. Line was, gigawatt! <laughs> yes, kind of like a gigawatt. Gigawatt. What the hell is a gigawatt? <laughs> <laughs> All I know is you need a bolt of lightning for 1.21 of them. <laughs> right, right, exactly. A uh, bolt of lightning. <laughs> Anyway, anywho, <laughs> so another opportunity where somebody might have, say, an impromptu soliloquy would be if somebody misses their entrance. Yes, and, and, and remind me, or somebody send us an email, or Steve Schultz, if you're listening now, don't forget, the next time we have you on, you need to tell the Goody Nurse story. Because <laughs> this is just one of the first theater stories that I remember Steve telling me about where it was something, I assume it was The Crucible, because I can't think of anything... Elsewhere, there wouldn't be a character called Goody Nurse. That sounds appropriate. But it was somebody, I, I guess it was whoever was playing Goody Nurse, forgot their entrance, and I think somebody carried them on or something. Steve will tell the story better than I would. <laughs> like, but I literally just carried them out? I believe so, yes. Not even just pushed them out? No, I believe they literally carried the woman out. <laughs> wow. Drastic measures, yeah. I guess. Yes, but I again, Steve will know the, sh- the, the story better than I would. But yeah, missed entrances can definitely cause a moment with, okay, now... This person's not in there. What are we going to do? I think frequently actors tend to lean on the idea of making a broad announcement to try to remind the person to come out mm-hmm. in some in fact, perhaps I was hopefully actually subtle in, way. I was involved with a show where where that happened and I be damned if I can remember the name of the character, but it was a uh, it was a Shakespeare show that I was in. So people had to improvise Shakespeare. <laughs> Wow. Because somebody had not come in in time. Blasphemy. And I, I believe they actually spit out a couple of lines that sounded Shakespearean enough to to kill a little bit of time before he got out. Wow. Yeah. Or they might have just gone in a monologue from a completely different play. <laughs> the odds of them having a monologue memorized from a different Shakespeare play are pretty slim. Uh, I don't know. People might have these I mean, yeah. filed away in their databanks for an audition or something. You never know. I Was it Midsummer Night's Dream? It might you have were been in Midsummer. that, weren't you? Yeah. It, it was a show I was in. It was not my entrance, nor was I even in the scene, but, and it was Custard? I don't know. I know who the actor was. I'm not going to, I'm not going to call him out now, but maybe we'll have him on one of these days and he can tell the story. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, improving. if you can improv Shakespeare, I think you can improv just about anything. Yeah, that, that, that would take some skill. But yeah, mm-hmm. covering for somebody's entrance, you don't really have a choice. Otherwise, you are standing up there looking like you have nothing to do. Yeah. And I mean, that is something that does happen not infrequently. Mm, unfortunately, I think everybody's, yes. almost everybody's got a story of when somebody missed their entrance. <laughs> I wonder where so-and-so is. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, shouldn't so-and-so be in here by now? Have oh, you seen so-and-so lately? Look at the time. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully you'll be able to improv better than that. <laughs> so what other uses besides in a show could you be using improv for? Well, within a show, there is possibly one other area, and that would be related hmm. to technical issues. Oh, tech errors, of yeah. course. Yeah, uh, I've had that happen in shows I've directed. I, I'm trying to think. I might have had lights malfunction when, I'm, when I've been in a show, but nothing that had to be covered. 
I seem to recall you had a major set malfunction as a result of you I- improperly closing a door and a bookshelf fell over. You've told well, about that was, one before. Yeah, I, I've talked about that. That actually was a, a sliding bookshelf. So yes. it was the bookshelf itself that was the door. Right. And I knocked that over. I had that happen. I've had I've had a, a few other minor things. That, I mean, I guess that's not a minor thing. That was fairly major. And I just turned around, righted the bookcase, and went on with the scene. I didn't even acknowledge it. You've also talked uh, about your uh, issues with misfiring guns. Oh, God, yeah. That is that is never... I, I hate directing shows that use guns because you just... I, they never seem to work properly. I don't know what it is. I, I had one show where the gun seemed to fire perfectly every time, and that was actually where I had to fire it. And I had to fire one shot, and I think... the Did we only have one bullet in one chamber? I think we might have only had one chamber loaded, and yet it never went wrong. Hmm. Well, so that was good. I but yeah, the enough- very first show, the very first show that I directed, Getting Away with Murder, that's the way. There's another Steve Schultz story. <laughs> He's coming up a lot. But yeah, he was supposed to fire six shots and he got five of them off and then the gun wouldn't go off anymore. Right, and right. there's your improvisation. He kept clicking the gun and the woman he was supposed to kill was standing there screaming. And eventually he just ran over and whacked her on the back of the head right, with the gun right. and she collapsed. Yep. So there's there's improvisation at work. Yep. Was it you who was talking about or I'm remembering it from some other production, a gun not firing, and then somebody just yells, bang? Uh, that must have been somebody okay. else. I think I have heard, heard that happen heard before. I've heard of that though. happening before. Yeah. Not the uh, most elegant way to cover up, I suppose, but if you don't have a no. choice. With props in particular, unfortunately, I think your ability to improv can be somewhat limited. Yeah, props and just tech stuff. Like I had some, I had a show where um, there was a tape recorder, and right. they were supposed to hit play on the tape recorder and a sound was supposed to come. And we had that coming over the speakers and the wrong sound cue plate. Yeah. So that's kind of like, well, all right, so she hit a button and then hit a button again. So, I, I mean, it's a slight improv and it was a little questionable, but, you know, they pulled it off. I've got a story related to that that I could save till the end of this episode to mention. Ooh, Ooh a teaser. Stay yes. tuned for Jim's story Ooh. coming up. Yes. <laughs> Hang on. Stay tuned. Hang on to your head. the end of this and I will tell that story, but. <laughs> Let's move on for now and come back to that. Okay. So yeah, that's that's a lot of mistakes and and gaffes that can happen during a production where you might need to use improv, but beyond using it within a show, you could use it in say audition. You could. You could have people try different, I don't know, character traits mm-hmm. uh or just it's frequent, not just at auditions, but at rehearsals, to have some kind of warm-ups that may involve improvisation. Yeah, I have. Uh, there's one particular director that I've worked with that always opens her auditions with an improv game. Okay. And she says she does it to have people relax and enjoy the experience. Personally, I find that very... It makes me tense. Okay. But that's me. I'm an uptight person, so that's probably why. <laughs> I never would have got that from you. Yeah, never would have got that. Nobody <laughs> thinks of me that way. Uh, so yeah, but I think it is an interesting way to start an audition and it certainly does open you up to that, could uh, that interaction, that, that sort of, it, it can relax you. It at least eases you, even if it doesn't relax you, it eases you into the auditioning process. Sure. You kind of new need to let yourself go for that. Yeah. If you're, and admittedly, I have not really done that at my auditions, mm-hmm. but I Neither can see where it makes sense because it probably is kind of intimidating that the first time you actually get to do something is when you get, when you first get caught up to read a scene. Yeah. And yeah, that is a quite a bit of pressure. 
Mm-hmm. It does make sense. It's just, you know, you kind of have to like improv and and I like it in the right setting. But when I'm going to an audition, like I've, I'm all I'm all in my own head about the audition and I You're don't necessarily want to. Well, it's not that I'm all business. It's that I'm all I'm very focused on the task at hand, yeah. which makes it harder for me to improvise a different character, a different thing. It, it takes my mind out of focus. I can. I found that it might be a little bit more beneficial as a rehearsal technique mm-hmm. or exercise. Yeah, um, I agree. I, like, I'll, I'll give an example. I think when we did the speed run through one time of Hotline, mm-hmm. that's where the Hotline chuckle came from. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we've probably mentioned this before, but that was the uh, the show that I directed Jim in where we met. And this character always had this little chuckle that he had which was referenced later in the show. If you give me the hotline chuckle one more time, and I just kind of had, <laughs> and then there it is. There's the hotline chuckle. But I was just kind of like, I had something in mind. I didn't quite know what it was. And then we did like a speed through of the lines. And yeah. and I guess Jim was speeding the chuckle. And I'm like, That's I was. <laughs> That's yeah. where it came from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you never know when you might get some sort of character quirk or trait that'll come out just by doing something like that. I mean, I don't know that, would you call a speed through improv? perhaps a loose definition of it but Mm. since it caused some different behavior or different approach to the behavior yeah it kind of counts i think i think i've 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 heard uh such things referred to as italian rehearsals where you kind of like go quickly through the lines and you can just let the blocking and everything else just go nuts okay i I, not practice this technique yeah and that was something i remember we did in 12th night uh, and we just had like, you know, at one point I had an exit with somebody else and he just picked me up and carried me off. You know, it was just crazy <laughs> stuff like that, which of course, you know, that didn't get put in, but that's just kind of improv stuff that you never know when there might be something useful that, that could come out of that. I think the speed through too kind of helps get your thinking going because if you do have to improv and think on your feet during a production, that maybe mm-hmm. helps get your gears going a little bit quicker. Well, yeah. And I think that's what it is. It prepares you for that, that inevitable something might go wrong and... This has given you options. You've had these options that, that have been opened up to you by doing something like that. Sure. Another area where sometimes, unfortunately, improvisation comes into play might be in some of the later rehearsals where somebody gets stuck on a line. Mm-hmm. And you usually define a point. It's usually at the latest by tech week starting where people are not allowed to call for line anymore. They have to right. work themselves out of it. And that's exactly where improvisation comes to play. Yeah, you pretty much just say you got to figure it out. You got to get out of it. I mean, you'll right. have people like stop and kind of freeze and go line. I'm like, nope, no more calling for lines. You got to come it. up with something. Yeah, or you or somebody with you on stage. Somebody's yeah. got to work work this out. Mm-hmm. And I've had circumstances where that's happened in a show where I've had to like cover for somebody forgetting their line. It, it's you just learn to do it. Yeah, it's not something you distinctly practice. Like, I guess if you're a really obsessed actor, you'll go through the script. And then figure out, okay, what would I say if this line is missed or that line is missed? I don't know if anybody actually does that. I don't think you could possibly come up with every single variation because a line might not just be missed. They might deliver the wrong line. So, and you never know what they're going to do. You can't possibly account for everything. Yeah. I think at least if somebody misspeaks a line, it's probably a little bit easier to know how to cover for that than Mm -hmm. knowing what to do if somebody completely misses a line. Yeah, Yeah. That's my opinion anyway. This is true. I think there's also with, with improv during rehearsal, you can use, you know, there's some specific improv games that can hone particular skills. Like I, I can remember one point we had this improv game where you had uh, two lines of people facing each other and you were carrying on a conversation with the person in front of you. 
And then every so often they would tell you each to take a step back. So you're getting further and further away from the person you're having a conversation with. So at that point, you're closer to the people next to you. I'm like using my hands so Jim can see what I'm doing here. But uh, he's got like each of his hands held up on either side of his head. Like he's supposed to be a three headed person or something or he's got two people. There's two people. So there's people here, but you're carrying on a conversation with somebody in front of you is getting further and further away. So you it's harder and harder to hear them, but you need to continue that conversation. So that kind of like uh, hones your ability to focus on one person and pay attention to what they're doing, because sometimes that's hard to do as an actor, particularly if you're in a scene and you're one of those characters that just has one line every couple of pages, you still need to pay attention to what everybody's saying and be in in the scene and in the moment. And I think that helps with that. And there's other improv games that just hone particular skills. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was um, talking about a particular set of skills. Well, that can be, since you brought that up, somebody who mm-hmm. doesn't really have a lot to say, that can kind of really tax your concentration and... I I don't know if it's easier or harder for somebody like that to be able to improvise something if something goes awry or off the rails. I think it's usually harder because as an actor, I think your tendency is mostly to memorize your own lines and your cues. So if you've got like three pages before your next line, you're probably only going to memorize maybe a half a page of those three pages. So if you don't know specifically what the lines are, you can get lost in the scene watching it and paying attention yeah, and listening, yeah. but you're probably not going to know entirely what comes next until you're halfway through the run. That's a good point. Yeah. I think I've probably tried to emphasize this to actors that I've worked with, uh, and I've probably tried to do this myself, is really know the script, the story, the plot points as best mm-hmm. as you possibly can. Know and be able to anticipate what needs, what important information needs to get carried, needs to right. get conveyed, and be able to pick up a dangling thread if somebody loses their place or if yeah. two pages get skipped. Or you run into that a lot where you realize everybody's just skipped a whole page. Then yeah. sometimes you have people going back to that. To, uh, uh, that can get nightmarish. <laughs> it can get very nightmarish, and people have to be really on their game and really pay attention so mm-hmm. as to realize what's going back over to convey the lost information and then be able to jump forward again to it, keep moving just, and not get stuck in an infinite causality loop. Well, this just takes me back to Lifetimes 3, which is that show that I directed that's like three different takes on essentially the same scene, and there's so many lines repeated between these these three takes that they would get them mixed up they would yeah. loop, they would do all sorts of stuff and even once the show opened it wasn't quite solid and there was like references to specific props that had to be brought on and off yeah. i had like one actress that was really really on top of things that was like oh you know you wanted the cheese it's i you know and that kind of thing just to be able to improvise and 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 pull that off to make sure that things stayed on track yeah and i think in my experience, there have been certain scripts that are just inherently harder to keep straight in mm-hmm. that there's a lot of elements of dialogue that repeat and are very similar. And yeah. I think it's, unfortunately, I think sometimes it's just lazy writing. But Yeah, can be. I mean, Lifetimes 3 that repeated stuff was definitely not lazy well, writing. Well, that's intentional. Th- th- those yeah. are plot devices in the cases mm-hmm. that you're talking about. I'm just talking about really long conversations where... Sometimes a character is asking the same question multiple times throughout, and it's easy for somebody to get lost in, all right, what's the response supposed to be this time versus the second time versus the third time? 
they keep responding essentially the same way over and over. Like, yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. You know, that kind of thing where they just like tweak one little word that just, but it yeah, keeps getting Yeah, a lot of repetitive dialogue like that can mm-hmm. get really easy to get lost in. Absolutely. And those are situations that become really critical potentially mm-hmm. for being able to improv if you get stuck. Yeah, and I think just having those improv skills just allow you to be able to, to think on your feet, and, and that's just something that's useful to have. It also really starts to make you think about, you know, what would your character do in mm-hmm. certain situations outside of what the script tells you to do? Well, that's one of those, like, core tenets of uh, improv, which is the whole yes and, where yep. you're accepting yeah. your, your certain you're accepting certain things to be true and then going, okay, well now this is a fact. Now, where do I go from there? How do I build on that? Yeah. So having those improv skills on the yes and kind of just lets you build that character and go, okay, well here's my level. And then there's where I can go from that. And if I need to pull something else in, where, where is my core of truth? Right. What, what, what is inherently consistent, internally consistent with the character as written on the page mm-hmm. and what liberties could I take that wouldn't be out of place? I think throughout the rehearsal process, if things are, you know, well organized and there's maybe some opportunities for reflection or maybe the actors take the opportunity to do that outside of rehearsal, that it can kind of round out the character and give them those ideas of different directions they could go in if they need to. Absolutely. So in addition to everything else with improv, it's just kind of fun. I mean, and it allows you to to bond with people and that kind of thing. I mean, I've enjoyed... Improv comedy, we used to do that in college a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, Some people I, don't necessarily focus on the comedy element of improvisation. They just use it as an, a chance to explore completely unthought yeah. of characters and ideas. Uh, I mean, improv ideas. can have drama as well. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't necessarily have to be comedy. I mean, we're used to stuff like uh, Whose Line sure. Who's and that sort of thing, anyway? which is really, yeah, it, it plays up the comedy. And, right. and actually, when that show was kind of in its heyday in the, I guess, early 2000s, I, I hosted an improv group at Forge Theater. That was actually one of the, I guess, probably the first thing that I that I directed. I think okay. that was before Hotline. Um, I, I tried to do that at Village Players mm-hmm. for a time, but then attendance dropped off after a while, and I just gave up yeah. on it. But we, we didn't do it for that long. We had, like, I, th- I want to say it was either once a month or, or at, at most it was once a week, but I don't think it was once a week where we got the group together and just yeah. kind of did improv games and I had everything prepared and yeah, I had like a yeah. whole book made up of the specific ones that were working. And then eventually right. I was, I, I went to the board and I said, we should do a show of this and we could charge like $5 or whatever. And people would come and they said, well, I don't know if it would really have any draw so we can do it, but we'll just, we'll, we'll offer it for free. We'll have a night of improv for free. And we had to add a row of chairs because the place was packed. Wow. Yeah. Um, we never got to the point of actually performing or anything. It was just an informal gathering mm-hmm. Every yeah, so we, we did the the one performance that, that I directed and hosted, which was a whole lot of fun, and then it kind of fell apart after that. Mm-hmm. But that was a really enjoyable thing to do, and it was fun, and it was yeah, a bonding yeah. experience, and that that is just something that improv can do for you. Sure. I will tell the story now that I alluded to earlier about the technical gaffe. Uh, one of the first things I did at Village Players of Hatboro was a stage performance of a bunch of sketches from Monty Python's Flying Circus. Mm-hmm. One of the sketches involved for... Those who may or may not be familiar with the show, uh, there's one scene involving two middle-aged ladies watching a television with a penguin, uh, a fake penguin, sitting on top of their television. And penguin. they're mostly just bickering amongst themselves. And, of course, it's two guys in drag. And I was one of the guys. 
the way the sketch is supposed to happen is at the end of the sketch, the announcer on the television is supposed to go something effective. It's one o'clock and it's time for the penguin on top of your television set to explode. <laughs> and so there's a little special effect of, in this case, it was just, I don't know, something door hatches or whatever open up on the penguin and then there's a little spark and some smoke or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, in the last performance that we did, the sound cues got messed up and the announcer bit with the, it is now one o'clock and it's time for the penguin on top of your television set to explode, came about halfway through the sketch. Oh my. <laughs> so I improved and said, no, it's not. And then just continued with the sketch. <laughs> okay. And then did they play the cue again? No. Uh, at the end, then just the penguin exploded with no announcement. Okay. <laughs> so I improved another line was, oh, I never expected that to happen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so one of my favorite moments of improving on stage. Mm-hmm. Another, <laughs> another. Any others? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another story I like to tell is um, before community theater, when I was doing summer drama workshops during my middle school years, we did this one show called Bluebeard Had a Wife, written by Tim Kelly, I believe. And the person playing Bluebeard's wife's sister got sick right before we were supposed to do the show. So the director, who was male, cross dressed to play that role at a moment's notice. And. One of the things he improvised was when he was actually looking into Bluebeard's cabinet of mystery, that was kind of one of the whole plot points of the show, he was bending over to look in the cabinet, and he it occurred to him to just uh, turn around. This was around the time of uh, early 90s SNL with Simon, who likes to do his drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he turns around and goes, Don't look at my bum! <laughs> that, that whole thing with him playing that role just made the play a million mm. times funnier. <laughs> I would think. Another rehearsal bit that was kind of improv was one that I did when I assistant directed play on. And this is where I like to say that assistant directing is the best job ever in community theater. Mm-hmm. So I got you to fill that. in for another character who was pl- a maid and was played by an, supposed to be played by an actor who was a relative novice playing the maid within the show. Right. So she would be kind of going through her lines absentmindedly. So I came up with this bit where... I would just, you know, robotically go to various places on the set and just like dust the air, like just wave the feather duster in the air. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just came up with that as I was going through playing that part. And we decided to keep that bit. So we told the real actor playing that role to do that when she came back. But again, another thing that kind of came up just out of improvising in, in mm-hmm. a way, just trying something different. Yeah, I'm sure like I've had stuff like that that's happened in shows, but it became so integrated in the show that nothing sticks out to me. Nothing ever went perfectly right. Well, if you've got any improv stories of your own, you can contact us. You can give us an email at podcast at backstage.link. You could also give us, uh, give us a call or text message us at 267-225-8869. Or, of course, you can find us uh, online on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebackstagepod or Twitter at thebackstagepod. And, of course, our website is backstage.link. And some of those things may even be updated. Hey. (laughs) If you've enjoyed listening to us today, please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a review or tell a friend about us. Please tell your friends. Let them know how wonderful and hilarious and entertaining we are. Yeah, that's some nice improv in there, Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) thanks okay so uh next week you can tune in uh 
will be sort of kind of continuing the improvisation theme with dealing with the unplanned. Yes, and I'm sure will be meticulously scripted next time, unlike this episode. Yeah, yeah. All right, now we've got to go and record our scripted outtakes. So until next week, I am Glenn. And I'm Jim, and thank you for joining us backstage. Sayonara. Auf Wiedersehen. Wow, your printer's really loud over the Skype. Am I hearing birds on your end? You probably are, because I have the windows open. This microphone stand is convenient, but the slightest little tap, and you get like this bass note, which is kind of annoying. So one of these you intro, the other one I intro. Roger. Or whatever the hell your oh, name is. It's Glenn. Oh. Oh, yeah. Are Roger's, ready? Roger's my other podcasting partner. Hi, I'm Roger. And I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you broke me. Sorry, I had a really cool sunset image coming through the back window behind me. You're frozen. Damn. No! We made it almost all the way through. <sighs> Connection lost. Sigh. All right, Jim's probably... Yeah, there you are. Wait, wait, are we back? Yes. Hey, there we go. So what other stories you got before I hit my big one? None.